0: By show of hands, who here likes going to funerals? Obviously, nobody enjoys going to funerals, but they play an important role in reminding us of the purpose of life. A few years ago, when my grandmother Jean Robertson passed away, it reminded me that we're called to more than just going to work and having a family and buying a house. We're called to follow Christ wholeheartedly. I thought about the life she lived and the great impact she had on others. She lived a simple life of following Jesus and making disciples. At the end of the day, that's a legacy that she left behind. Both Jean and her husband Arden have given everything that they have. They've given their time, their money, and their hearts to reach out to lost souls in the hopes of making more disciples of Jesus and spreading the gospel. In a similar sense, in this passage, we get a first-hand look into the burial of Jesus and the impact that he had on others with the life he lived. His life left an uh, eternal impact on the world and on individuals. What is it about Jesus that compelled my grandparents to spend decades of their life ministering in prisons and nursing homes. What is it about Jesus that compelled the tax collectors to leave everything and follow him? And how about the other disciples who left their careers as fishermen to follow him? In our passage this morning, what about the rich man Joseph and Nicodemus? They risk everything to honor Jesus here. Joseph donates his expensive tomb. Nicodemus gives uh, expensive spices to to uh, honor Christ. They both risk losing friends and family and social status and being put out of the synagogue. What drove them to do this? And then there's the women who supported his ministry that were there to help bury Christ. What compelled these women to do this? That's the theme that we'll focus on this morning as we read about Jesus' burial. So we'll begin in Matthew 27, verses 57 through 61. Matthew 27, 57 through 61. It says, Now when evening had come, there came a rich man from Arimathea named Joseph, who himself had also become a disciple of Jesus. This man went to Pilate and asked for the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be given to him. When Joseph had taken the body, He wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his new tomb, which he had hewn out of the rock. And he rolled a large stone against the door of the tomb and departed. And Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary, sitting opposite the tomb. So this is who Joseph is, and it's not in this particular gospel, but there's another character, Nicodemus, that's uh, also there at the scene of the tomb, um, and I want to just give you a little bit of backstory on him to remind you of who he is and what brought him to this point. Um, he's the Pharisee who came to Jesus by night. He was searching for answers about Jesus, whether Jesus was the Messiah. And Jesus tells Nicodemus plainly that he would die as a sacrifice for man's sins and that if anyone would just believe uh, that he was uh, the Christ, that he... Uh, that that person would not perish, but they would have eternal life. Later, Nicodemus understands this, um, and we can uh, see his actions. He, he boldly stands up in defense um, when other um, religious members were trying to arrest Jesus. And now, uh, in John 19, Nicodemus reveals openly that he's a disciple of Jesus by coming to help uh, Joseph bury him. And it says in John 19, And Nicodemus, who first came to Jesus by night, also came, bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about 100 pounds. Uh, Then they took the body of Jesus and bound it in strips of linen with the spices, as the custom of the Jews is to bury. You know, I did a little bit of research on these spices and if you were to buy a couple ounces, it would be uh, about $1,000. Maybe uh, 8 ounces or 12 ounces would be $1,000 roughly. Uh, so Nicodemus, in today's dollar amount, would, would have roughly spent $150,000, $200,000 um, on just uh, spices to embalm Jesus. And they say that only a few ounces or pounds at most would be extravagant to bury somebody in and embalm them. But he, he takes a hundred pounds. It's enough to bury dozens or hundreds of people. And Joseph, you know, he gives his uh, expensive tomb that's cut out of the rock in a private garden. You know, I've never had to arrange a funeral, but I know they can get very expensive very quickly. And you can imagine that such a, a nice place to bury somebody in a private garden, uh, that would've cost probably a couple hundred thousand dollars as well for all the, uh, the manual labor that would've had to be done for that. And then they seal this, this tomb with a large stone. Um, we can see that the two men, they were both very well off financially uh, to be able to afford such extravagant, uh, extravagant gifts They had these great social connections and they had this high religious standing in front of other people. But uh, instead of just living their life the way that it was, they decide to reveal to other people that they are disciples of Christ. And they go from being secret disciples and they open um, their lives and their beliefs to others um, by showing their devotion and by honoring Jesus with a proper burial. They, they both risk everything. They risk their friends. They risk social status. You know, they gave financially. And they could be both put out of the synagogue for their actions. And so it really begs the question when somebody does such a, a great action, why would somebody do this? Why would somebody um, risk everything in their life? Their lives, by all um, you know, looks from the outside, look great. You know, they're living a a pretty good life with money, they have respect, they have power. Why would they give it all up? What compelled them to bury uh, Jesus here? And I can think of a couple things. The first being that they had great faith in Christ. Um, In comparison, most of the other disciples had run away and were nowhere to be found. Only a few people um, were there at his cross Um, at his death, and even fewer people were there at his burial. Jesus had boldly claimed that he would be killed and that three days later he would die. Uh, Three days later he would rise from the dead. Um, It says in Mark 10, uh, Behold, we're going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be betrayed to the chief priests and to the scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles. And they will mock him and scourge him and spit on him and kill him. And on the third day, he will rise again. No doubt these these two men were in the uh, religious circles and they had never heard such a person speak with such authority. They must have heard of how he restored Uh, sight to blind men how he healed paralyzed people how he cast out demons how he even forgave sins so when Christ um, predicted that he would die and that he would rise from the dead um, no doubt they had faith that his word was true Um, another reason I can think of that these uh, these two men helped bury Jesus was that they wanted to give him honor I did a little bit of research on crucifixion and in the time when people were crucified by the Romans, you know, they were tortured and they had excruciating pain in their death. But if nobody wanted to care for the person after their death, they would just be left on the cross for several days. And it's gruesome to think about, but the body would just decay or be eaten by wild animals and birds. And after a certain time, then the Romans would just throw the body into a garbage pile. Um, it's horrible to think about that they would. Uh, this is how somebody's life ends. And they didn't want this to happen to Jesus. They wanted to give him honor. And they also had um, the Passover coming up the next day. And so they didn't want to leave it up for, um, for that either. So being religious leaders, um, there's a passage in Deuteronomy 21 that they must have known about. It says, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death, and he is put to death, and you hang him on a tree, his body shall not remain overnight on the tree, uh, but you shall surely bury him that day, so you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is accursed of God. Now, Jesus didn't commit any sins, um, but this, this passage seems to connect uh, that there's a principle you know, of burying the person. Um, and I believe that Joseph and Nicodemus would have been familiar with this, and so they wanted to give him the burial that he deserved. And they really went above and beyond and gave him a burial for a king, which he was. Um, the third reason I can think of for what compelled these men to honor Jesus and to bury him was really because they loved him. Um, there's not a whole lot of other verses that talk about these, these men, but I think but if you just look at their actions, you can see uh, where their hearts are, and it tells it, it all to us. They were compelled to bury Jesus because they loved him, and they were willing to give it all up. They were willing to give up their, their money, They're willing to give up their status and their reputation and exposing themselves as disciples um, because they loved him. Their sacrifice um, shows that they love and they care for Christ. But really, they they love him because he first loved them. Um, They had never experienced a love like that in their lives and it compelled them to give everything back to him. Now let's jump back to our, uh, our final verse in verse 61 in the passage. And there's, there's two more characters that are mentioned. Verse 61 says, and Mary Magdalene was there, and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. We uh, were first introduced to Mary Magdalene in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8. Jesus is in his ministries. He's performing miracles. And Mary Magdalene is one of the, the women that um, he heals. It says in Luke 8, Now it came to pass afterward that he went through every city and village, preaching and bringing uh, the glad tidings of the kingdom of God, and the 12 were with him. And certain women who had been healed of evil spirits and infirmities, Mary called Magdalene, out of whom had come seven demons, and Joanna, the wife of Chusa, Herod steward, uh, and Susanna, and many others, uh, who were provided for him from their substance. Jesus had healed Mary Magdalene uh, from demon possession. And we see her following uh, faithfully after uh, this miracle. Um, And she financially supports Jesus in his ministry. She also had uh, what I'd call a front row seat to some of the most important parts of Christ's life. Um, On Friday afternoon, when he was on the cross, she stood there uh, at the, the final moments of his life And on Friday evening she was there at his burial with the other Mary and with Nicodemus and Joseph. No doubt she and the other Mary sat there uh, opposite the tomb weeping for their savior but also waiting eagerly for him to rise again just as he promised. And a few days later on Sunday morning She came with other women bringing spices, uh, almost as if how we might bring flowers to a grave, um, out of respect. She came to an empty tomb, and she was greeted by angels, and she was the first to see our risen Lord. In all the different references that we see about Mary Magdalene, uh, whether it was how she financially gave to the Lord or how she remained as a faithful disciple at the foot of the cross when others who had uh, run away, or how she uh, honored him with the burial, she was expressing gratitude um, for her savior, for freeing her from her old life. Mary's faith was very simple and genuine. She loved her savior, because he first loved her. And her life is a beautiful testimony of her love for the Savior. There was another woman named Mary who was at the burial. It says, Mary Magdalene was there and the other Mary sitting opposite the tomb. This is the Mary that gave birth to Jesus. And she also had other children. She had, I think, four or five others at least um, she had a very unique perspective on our Lord Uh, when the angel came to her at the beginning of the gospels and announced that she would give birth to Christ the son of God she simply believed and she made herself available in her life for what God wanted to uh, do with her life it says in Luke chapter 138 then Mary said Behold the maidservant of the Lord, let it be according, let it be to me according to your word. She had a course for her life, and it was interrupted by God. And he had something better for her, and she simply made herself available to the Lord to be used by him. She was there at his birth and when he came into the world as her precious child, and she saw him grow up into a young boy. And he went to the temple and spoke with great wisdom and taught um, people way older than him. And it says that when she saw the wisdom, she kept all these things in her heart. And there were different times in his ministry where she saw his authority and how he loved the lost sinners. And when so many other disciples had run away from the cross, she was one of the few who had remained faithful to her Savior. And we see her great love here um, as we find her here at the tomb weeping and waiting for her Savior to rise. We see uh, Mary here at at the burial of Jesus expressing her great love for the Savior because he loved her first. Now there's many, many other people in the Bible that have had encounters um, like these four. And I just want to give a a brief overview of people that Jesus encountered and how they left all, or they gave all, to follow after Christ. Um, There's, we're not gonna go into huge detail, but just a a quick run through. There's people who left their careers to follow Christ. When Jesus uh, was calling his disciples, he called to Peter and Andrew. He said, follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. And they immediately left their nets and followed him. And then shortly after that, he um, goes to James and John, and he says, you know, to follow me. And they immediately left their father, and they left their career of um, catching fish, and they followed him. And... In uh, the case of Levi or Matthew, the tax collector, Jesus is walking by and he calls him to follow him, and Levi leaves everything. It says that he left all, rose up, and followed him. And then there's the stories of people who have given great financial gifts or sacrifices um, to Christ. It says about Zacchaeus. Look, Lord, I give half my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And then Jesus commends the, uh, the poor widow at the, um, the offering. When Jesus looks and he sees all the rich people giving great financial gifts, she gives everything that she has. She gives two pennies into the offering. And Jesus commends her and says, Out of the poverty, she put in everything that she had. And then there's the woman who was a sinner. Um, She comes into the Pharisee's house, and she offers a rich, uh, very expensive bottle of um, fragrant oil, and she she washes Jesus' feet with her tears and with her hair. And she kisses his feet and anoints him with his oil. And Jesus commends her and says, Therefore I say to you, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. So when I look at all these people, the Joseph and Nicodemus and both Marys and all the other people that Jesus uh, affected in his life, it really brings us to the question, why did they do this? What compelled these people to give so much of their life, to give financially, to risk um, their perfect lives for his sake? And really the answer is simple and it's found in 1 John four nineteen. It says that we love him because he first loved us. We love him because he first loved us. And just just leave that up there for a little bit, Luke. Um, there's another a couple of verses in this chapter, it just explains it a little bit more. In First John four nine through eleven, it says this is how God showed His love among us. He sent His one and only Son into the world that we might live through Him. This is love, not that we love, uh, not that we loved God, but that He loved us and sent His Son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. So this is what compelled all these people to love Christ. They experienced his love firsthand and they loved him because he first loved them. In different ways, They gave all that they had. They presented what they had as a sacrifice to God. And they did it out of gratitude and love for how much God had loved them by sending his son, Jesus Christ, to die as a perfect substitute for their own sins. These characters that we see in this uh, passage are great examples to us to emulate. you know, in our own lives, we've been giving great things to uh, use as resources. Some of you have houses, and you use it as opportunities to be hospitable to others. Some of you um, have extra time in your week, and you use it to prepare uh, teaching lessons for kids or to minister to others in various ways or preparing meals for others. Um, and even if you say, hey, I am dirt poor, or I have a dollar to my name, you still have your body and your mind that you can offer to the Lord. Romans 12, 1 and 2 encourages you to lay down your life on the altar every day for the Lord. It says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. As I was preparing this message and I was looking, as I look around the room even now, you know, I, I look at the lives of the people in this room And I see so many people that have given everything to the Lord, who have sacrificed it all. I see people who have given up great job opportunities to serve the Lord. I see people who um, have given great financial gifts to the Lord and supported the church and missionaries. I see people who have given decades of their life to serve the Lord and honor Him and teach uh, adults and to teach children about the gospel. I see people who have gone out on their day off of work to pass out flyers and spread the gospel. I see people who have opened up their homes for Bible studies to witness to their neighbors and uh, coworkers. workers um, You know, I can see in my own heart that I have, you know, room to grow in this area, that. I'm still young in my faith and that I need to um, follow after your examples of sacrificing greatly for the Lord. Um, Your lives have encouraged me and I want to encourage you to keep on um, serving the Lord, to keep on loving Him, and to keep on sharing the gospel with others. At the end of uh, my grandma's Uh, life you know there were kind words that were said about her there were words that honored her that um, showcased the life that she lived at the end of your life what will people say about you and more importantly what will the Lord have to say about your life if you've accepted the Lord as your personal Savior today continue to lay down your life every day and to sacrifice for him, press on in your service, and um, you will hear, "Well done, a good and faithful servant." But if you're listening to this message today and you haven't um, accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, then I'm telling you that you're missing out on the greatest relationship of your life that) um, you're really missing out on a relationship with your creator. And I ask you, you know, what are you waiting for if, if that's you? He loves you so much, and he's demonstrated his love to you by dying on the cross as your Lord and Savior. If you would just um, accept him as your Lord and Savior. It says to turn away from your sins and, you know, accept his gift. If if that's you, I you know I ask and I plead with you that you would leave it all behind and come to the source of everlasting life today. We're only given one more day, each day. Every day is a gift by God, and we want to use it appropriately and for His glory. I pray that we would. Um, just live each day sacrificing for the Lord and honoring him and loving him because he first loved us. Let's just pray. Lord, we, we thank you so much for, um, for your word, for the, the great example that you've set before us in um, you gave it all, leaving heaven. To, to come to this, this world as a man, to live humbly, to um, really you came here to die for us so that we could have a relationship with, uh, with you. Lord, we pray that we would um, follow after your example and give sacrificially um, out of the abundance that we have to follow after you. And we pray that our lives would honor you We just pray this, Father, in your name. Amen.